Hey guys, um, this is both a little bit um, extraordinary and exciting and kind of a bummer all at the same time because I'm really glad to get to spend a few moments with you and I'm looking out at the sanctuary and you're not actually here. So this is all full of mixed emotions for all of us. Um, first of all, I want to say that if this is working like we want it to, we are premiering this live on Facebook. So it's possible that you can say, hey, the Moberleys are here, or hey, the Minks are here, right there on the bottom, and we can start to see uh, what's going on and who's maybe joining us and have a little online community thing going there. Um, I want to take the first couple of minutes. I want to focus here, but I want to take the first couple of minutes and I want to talk a little bit about why we decided to do things this way today. Why we are doing things this way today. Um, I can tell you that in this decision-making process, it was agonizing. That's, that's the word. It was agonizing. Um, I, I feel very good about the letter that we sent out uh, in the middle of the week. Uh, I felt very good about the decisions that we chose to make then. I want to be clear that the decision of the church across the street, the decision of the church down the road, the decision of the church one state away doesn't have anything to do uh, with us. Uh, we need to make a, a leadership decision for our people in our community for a time such as this. And at the end of the day, um, a couple of things made a huge difference. As I talked to Spencer and as I talked to Steve, one of the things that we came to was we wanted to be able to lay our heads down on our pillows on Saturday night and rest well, have a, a peace that passes all understanding. And I was there. But all day yesterday, I felt like I was wrestling with God. All day yesterday, that peace seemed to be non-existent, and that was hard for me. And so I was speaking to church members. I was speaking to leadership. I was speaking to our staff. And right at the end of the day, it became very clear that there were a couple of things that we had to consider. Outside of COVID-19, here's the bottom line. Um, you may or may not know this, but in the last seven days, we have between 20 and 30 members of our congregation that are here on a regular basis that have been stricken with the flu, strep, respiratory infections, or even minor cases of pneumonia. And over the last two months, we've been running between 30 and 40 people missing every single week, including seven of the 12 children's workers just last Sunday. And that affects nearly 60 to 80 people in our congregation. And we've been allowing that turnover to continue to happen. We've been passing this around, or at least helping it along, because we feel a little better on Friday, and we really want to come to church on Sunday, and we're almost there, so, so we come on. Or... We don't know that we're coming down with this on Tuesday, but we've already got it on Sunday, and we're here, and, and we're not helping. We're not helping our parents. We're not helping our children. That was the main factor. Second, and 
also very important is the idea of whether or not our state level government, or our local level government, or our national level government, whatever opinions we have about how they're handling or how they're not handling this situation, this almost everyone agrees to be true. We have got to slow the spread. Because if we do not slow the spread in whatever way we can, there's going to be a spike that we can't handle. And no matter how potent or not potent this particular virus is, if we don't have the capacity to care for the people who get it, it's going to be very bad for our families, for our churches, for our communities, for everyone. If we can slow the spread of this virus and our hospitals and our healthcare professionals who are absolutely overwhelmed already can help and provide the care that is needed, we're going to get through this better. So choosing to self-discipline, choosing to self-help, is by our understanding, by our discernment as leaders, the best thing to set an example for our families, for our community, for our church to do. And that's kind of where we landed. And the greatest thing is, as much as I miss you this morning, I slept really good last night. And I'm really thankful to God for that. He stirred. He pressed. He wrestled, and we walked the process out with fear and trembling, and this is where we landed. I hope that helps. I hope you'll understand that it's not what we wanted, but that we're at a place where wisdom and discernment, we feel like, have come out on top, and this is what we ought to do. I'll talk more at the end about some more things we're going to try to do to help keep us connected in this time, but right now, I want to jump into the Word. Um, you're at home, I hope, uh, maybe you're on your phone, maybe you're driving and you shouldn't be and you're listening, but um, if you're at your home, I want you to do something that, oh no, you know, we haven't done this in forever, I want you to find a Bible, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a chance to do that, I, I, got, I got a Bible, not an iPad, Bible's right here, and we're going to look at the Bible together and it'll be good for you and your kids, so uh, get up from the table, get up from where you are, go and find your Bible, I'll give you 15, maybe 30 seconds to get that done. All right, that's kind of funny. Um, we are going through our study in the book of Jonah. Uh, I know there's a lot of folks who maybe are um, dealing with the virus, dealing with um, crisis, dealing with one another. Um, you guys know that we're always um, right where God needs us to be, we hope, if we're listening to him. And God has us in the book of Jonah, so that's where we're going to be. And uh, I am going to begin by giving a little recap from last week, um, the book of Jonah in the Old Testament. The book of Jonah is about a prophet named Jonah. Most people know the story of Jonah because they know the story of Jonah and the whale or Jonah and the big fish. It is uh, almost a um, 
cult-like following because even people who aren't believers probably know about Jonah or, or, or the story of Jonah. A, a lot of times scientifically, it's used as an argument uh, uh, against uh, Christ, but we know that, that Jonah existed prior to the book of Jonah. We know that historically he served kings who did exist. We know that Nineveh, the city, did exist. We know that Jonah eventually is buried actually in Nineveh. So uh, we, don't, we don't worry about what people say or <laughs> what people think or who says it might or might not be. It happened the way God said it happened. Now, um, some of the prophets were, you know, hey, awesome people. Some of them were uh, not as much as awesome people. Um, Jonah is, is not, not the coolest of, of characters. He, he's just not. And uh, last week we mentioned that all of the other um, books uh, of prophets and prophecies in the Old Testament are the words or the teachings or the preachings or the prophecies of that prophet. Those books are, are their teachings. This book is simply about the prophet. In fact, Jonah doesn't do very much teaching. In Hebrew, uh, five words. That, that, that's his sermon. In this small four-chapter book, that, that's his sermon, okay? So um, that's what we have to uh, consider is this is a story about Jonah. And uh, what we want to do is see uh, what is in here for us. Um, you're going to find that as we uh, get through this, one of the most important questions is why does Jonah run? Why does Jonah cry out the way that he does? Why does Jonah react the way that he does, both to the world, the sailors, the Ninevites, and to God. And as we do that, we're going to need to really take a look at ourselves uh, as a church and as individuals and where we are in our walk. So we know that Jonah is a prophet of God. We know that Jonah and Amos both made prophecies uh, about a former king, a king who was evil. Jonah prophesied that that, that that king would do well, and Amos said, no, you know, the, the wrath of God is, is going to come down on you and the people because of the way you lead and the way that they follow. And so we already have some questions about um, Jonah's uh, connection, all right? We already have some questions about how well Jonah listens and what Jonah's motives are, all right? So as we know that, let's dig in, starting in Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Okay, so this is a fairly clear statement. Jonah, I'm talking to you, I'm not talking to anybody else, I'm talking to you. I need you to go to Nineveh, a giant city, a city of later in the book we find 120, 125 thousand people took days to walk across this city. It is a large city. It is a powerful city. It is a mean and quite an evil city with a mean and quite evil king. And they are, at this time in history, the anti-Hebrew, the anti-God people, the anti-Christian, anti-Israelite what they will become. They are, they are the mortal enemies of the people 
of God. And God says, Jonah, that's where I want you to go. So we know that he's talking to Jonah. We know that uh, Nineveh is involved. And we know that God says, go and preach there because they are wicked. But Jonah ran away. That's the next verse. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Now, there's going to be a map that pops up on the screen right about now. And I want you to see, <laughs> to see what he did, all right? Because he is about right here, all right? And then right up here, all right, is um, where he is supposed to go, all right? It's, it's, it's right here. Go, go, go here. And then over here, across the Mediterranean, not, 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 not across to here, across to here, all the way across the Mediterranean is where he runs to. At this point in time, it's literally like the other end of the earth, okay? So far away and so exactly in the opposite direction. Now, here's the question. Are there ever things that God tells us to do that we're fairly certain that he's telling us to do and we act as if we're oblivious or we choose the complete opposite of that and in our own ways, symbolically or even physically, we run from God. We run from what we know to be obedient to him. Not anything we're going to point fingers on, just something that we have to consider, all right? Are there times that we run from God, and why? Because that's going to be a big question in this book. Why does Jonah flee? So he goes to Joppa. He gets on a ship. He is sailing away from where God tells him to go to Tarshish. He pays the fare. He gets on board. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. I find it interesting that Jonah gets on a ship because what that is is that ship becomes his protection. That ship becomes his provision. That ship becomes the place where he can be hiding from God, all right? And so what God does is he sends the storm literally to break up the ship, literally to cause what he's putting his faith in to crumble. That ever happened? Yeah, you ever gone to run from him? You ever gone to run to something else or to something of the world and it goes very badly? Things start to crumble around us. We put our faith in something that's not God and it starts to fall apart. Storms hit. Trouble hits, COVID-19 hits, and we, we can't keep it all together. Interesting. All of the sailors were afraid, and they each cried out to their own God. They threw cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. That one cracks me up, all right? Cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. We're going to do whatever it takes to try to fix this on our own. Is that us? <laughs> Isn't that what we do? Don't we start going, okay, well, maybe I can do this, or maybe I can change this, or maybe I can date her, or maybe I can buy this, or maybe I can get toilet paper, hand sanitizer, and that's going to fix the problem. 
they're just throwing stuff overboard. It's a violent storm that God has sent. He's not, ah. We have a real tendency to rely on our own beliefs, even when we call ourselves children of God. We have a real tendency, even when it goes wrong, to be so prideful, to be so caught up in ourselves, to be so into self-preservation and, 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 well, arrogance, that we know it all, that we're going to stake our claim, we're going to plant our flag, and it just, it looks dumb. Things continue to fall apart. When you're running from God, the only way to fix it is to run back toward God. Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. I want you to see something here. One of the things that is going on here is, is, is you've you got to look at the map. You've got to look at this whole idea. People who run from God, all of us included, tend to run to extremes. So what's going on here is he doesn't just not go to Nineveh. He goes the opposite way. He doesn't just go the opposite way. He goes to the farthest port he can find. He doesn't stay on land. He gets onto the sea. He doesn't just get onto the sea. He gets onto a boat with all of these other people, endangering them in the process, mind you. And then he goes to the bottom of the ship. It's almost like, I can hide from you. I can run from you. I'm going to go. Don't we do that? Don't we do that? Don't we bury ourselves deeper and deeper in our relationships, in our debt, in the things that we're choosing, in an effort to, to hide from God? That's what he's doing right here. That's what he's doing. The captain goes down to him and says, how can you sleep? Get up. Call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. And the sailors said to each other, come on, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Now Jonah has already let them know. We know that Jonah has already let them know why he is on the boat, all right? We know that they know that he is running from his God. And at that point in time, they have their gods, they have their gods, they have their gods, he has his God. But there is a squall and nothing else is working. So the people are starting to think, hey, Jonah, why aren't you crying out to yours? And when the lots fell, and listen, this is not about gambling. This is not about rolling the dice. This is literally flipping a coin. This is literally drawing straws. And, and God uses the opportunity to point out the problem here. Jonah knows he's the problem. The people knows he's the problem. And now the, the coin, the, the, the dice, the, the straws know he's the problem. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah, and they said to him, tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble. What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And he answered. And I, I see him, you know, we, we have a word. We, we call it peacocking. When you kind of flex your muscles, you know, take off your shirt, want to look good. Jonah does this right here. I... I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, the one who made the land and the sea. It's like, it's like he takes this moment to, to flaunt his arrogance and stupidity while he's saying, 
This is who I worship. This is one of those situations where we've got to understand. It doesn't matter the t-shirts that we wear. It doesn't matter the words that we say. If our actions are the opposite of God's intentions, we're not doing it right. We're a part of the storm. We're a part of the problem. And no amount of flexing and no amount of telling people what we are is going to matter if the hypocrisy is all that they see. This terrified them. There is a shift here that we need to watch. This terrified them. See, they actually see what's going on around them. They actually recognize that there is a God and it's not the ones that they're crying out to that is causing this. They knew he was running because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. Hey, God's turning up the heat. God, God, God is taking his giant hand and he's going, oh, it's not enough for you? We haven't got your attention yet? And he's, he's causing a ruckus. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they said, hey, hey, you, clear your mind. What are we going to do? What should we do to you to make the sea calm down? Now, I want you to listen to his response. This is one of the reasons Jonah and I struggle. All right, listen. Pick me up and throw me into the sea, and it will become calm. Now, that sounds like a, a prophetic word. That sounds like, if you do this, this is what will happen, and what I say will make it so. Here, here's my problem with this. It's selfish. Here's my question. If Jonah knows that Jonah going overboard is what's going to stop the problem, why does Jonah put it on the hands of everybody else? Why don't he just jump? Why can't he just jump? Because he needs his death not to be on his hands. He needs his death to be on their hands. He needs this not to be his fault. That one hit home with anybody? Not, not maybe comfortably or not comfortably, but any of us really want it to be our fault? When problems come, do we, we want to humble ourselves and be like, this, this one's on me. I know it is my fault that the great storm has come upon us, pick me up and throw me in. So he, he gets it's on him, but he doesn't want to take the responsibility now. <laughs> Instead, the men did their best. Now, here's our first major contrast. The prophet of God can't get this right, can't seem to act right. The people who worship other gods, the people who don't know God, they're the ones trying to show compassion. They're the ones working in unity. They're the ones actually doing the things that I think maybe the believers should do. Does that ever happen in our culture? Does the church, do church people ever get so caught up in themselves, so caught up in their religion that there are others around who are actually acting more like Christ than those who follow Christ? But they could not, for the sea grew even more wild. Then they cried out to the Lord. 
Then they cried out to the Lord. All things work together for the good of those who love him and called according to this purpose. Even the bad things work toward the favor of God. The men who did not believe in God are now calling out to God. And that, listen, that's worth celebrating. They cried out to the Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent land for you, O Lord, have done as you please. We repent of the sin that we're about to commit before you. We call out to you. God has drawn people to himself. They took Jonah, threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. Now, maybe this was an outlet for Jonah. The last thing that Jonah wanted to do was go to Nineveh. The last thing that Jonah wanted to do was face God for what God had called him to do. And maybe, I can't, I can't, I can't say for sure, but maybe getting thrown overboard, put the blame on them, got him out of the situation, and just ended it so he didn't have to deal with it anymore. They took Jonah, threw him overboard, and the sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord. And I want to call something here. Fear of the Lord is wisdom. Then they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, not the other gods they prayed to. They made sacrifice to God and made vows to him. Jonah's bubbling, sinking. God I think he's smiling and I think he's listening to these men who were, were pagans, were not followers, who are now sacrificing, understanding, and new believers in him because of what went on here. Oh, there's Jonah. Hold up. And the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. Jonah's now closed his eyes. He feels like he's taken his last breath, and along comes a giant fish and swallows him up. And I do. I think God's like, <laughs> not today. You're not out of this. I got things for you to do. I have plans for you. And even though you are mm, acting like Jonah the jack wagon like we talked last week, I am going to accomplish my purposes in and through you if you'll just listen. And the Bible says he was inside the fish three days and three nights. Now, we're going to move on into chapter 2, maybe chapters 2 and 3. I, I don't know yet, um, uh, over the next couple of weeks. But here are some talking points. We don't know until the end of the book why Jonah actually runs. Other than this, we know that Jonah does not want to go to Nineveh. We know that what we see here is that the idea of helping people that you hate, helping people that you detest, helping people who are everything opposite of who you are and what you believe, is not what Jonah wanted to do. Church, it's exactly what we're called to do. In as much as you have done for the least of these, you, you have done it unto me. I didn't come to save 
the, the, the saved. I didn't come to heal the well. I, I came to seek and save that which was lost. God is in the business of turning sinners into saints, bringing the dead back to life. And I think a lot of times we want it to be easy. Send us into the places where people are going to believe what we say. Send us into places where people aren't going to make fun of us. Send us into the places where they're not far on the right or far on the left. We're not, we're not getting this. As a community, as Christians, as a world, we're not getting it. We're not here for ourselves. We need to provide for our church family. And we're going to try to, to, to be the hands and feet of, of, of Jesus through this crisis. But we're supposed to go ye therefore. We've got to get out into the trenches. We've got to get out into the Jerusalems and the Judeas and the Samarias and the ends of the earth. And we've got to go to the Ninevehs. We've got to go to the uncomfortable spots. And we have to understand that Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness, that Jesus is the great physician, that Jesus is hope, that Jesus grants peace that passes all understanding, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And as believers, we've got to continue to work our salvation out, our relationship with Christ out, our relationship with one another out, with fear and trembling. I've turned a corner. And I'm looking forward to what God is going to do. Not only with, with you, and not only with me, not only with Preston or Cy or Stephen and Spencer, but with, with our community and with the kingdom community around us as we do some things to love our community in a very trying and a very difficult time. You guys know that, that one of our, our things here, one of our healthy church things, one of our values here is, is the scripture. And you know that we talk about the scripture being sufficient but not exhaustive, meaning all that we need is there if we will continue to read, continue to seek, and, and continue to stay connected to the Holy Spirit who will help interpret and, and speak into us uh, for a time such as this. I, I kept looking for the verse that said, thou shalt or thou shalt not cancel church on this Sunday. I kept looking for the verse that said, thou shalt know that thou shalt cancel now, but thou shalt not cancel then. And if there are less than this, you shalt cancel. And if there are more than this, that's not in there. I kept looking for um, the, the uh, thou shalt drink this and eat this and the virus known as the corona shall dissipate among thee. It's not there. But God promises that with his spirit and his counsel and his guidance, his guidance he will give us all that we need. So I'm excited about uh, um, what, what we can do together. Um, as we finish uh, this morning, uh, I want to give you some ideas. Um, uh, Preston and, and Cy and, and myself, uh, along with um, um, other people that we will, we will call in and, and other people that we will seek wisdom from, 
we're going to be trying to come up with and, and give you ways to, to be the hands and feet of, of, of Jesus um, in and around your homes and your neighborhoods and our church over the next several weeks. I wish I could tell you, this is what we're going to do Wednesday. This is what we're going to do Sunday. This is how this is going to play out. But, but I don't know how it's, it's going to play out. I, I'm not ready just to blanket cancel uh, every activity for the next week, two weeks, three weeks, seven weeks. I'm not ready to do that, all right? What I am ready to do is promise you that you and I need to covet, need to um, covenant to pray together. We have to pray together so that we're connected uh, to the vine and, and we know what we're supposed to do each and every moment of each and every day in, in this uncertain time. We have to be certain of our God amidst the uncertainty of our culture. That is one of the things that, that we can do. Um, we're going to be coming up with more practical ways that, that we can um, stay in and reach out, that we can protect and provide, that we can respond and not react, okay? So here's um, a couple of, of ideas. Pray. Pray with your children. Pray with your families. Pray with your friends, okay? Pray that we understand God's kingdom come, God's will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Pray for yourself your family, for your church, and for the people around you, okay? Number two, let's make use, let's make incredible use of the gift we've been given of the digital age. It is both a blessing and a curse, all right? It is. But in this time, we can take advantage of it. We can take advantage of it by doing things like we're doing right now. Let me see if I can get you to take advantage of it by, by signing up for, for the emails, by making sure you're clicked on to the NBC um, Facebook page, all right? Making sure that, um, uh, make a list. Make a list in your head, not of the people you're able to see every day, but maybe the people that you see in church on Sundays that just brighten your day, all right? Make a list. Call the two or three people that you call every day, and then each day this week, call two or three more people that are in our church family that you just see on Sundays, just to connect with them. Tell them that you missed them. Tell them that you care about them, all right? Make a connection by phone. Oh, heavens, by FaceTime. Uh, hold up, let's see each other the way, the way that we are, all right? Say hi to somebody. FaceTime one, two, three people over the next several days to connect with them in that way for a short period of time. Encourage Encourage people by notes. Encourage people by phone. Encourage people by FaceTime. Encourage the people around you, all right? Another thing that you can do is be very aware of the needs that might be available that, that we can meet. Um, uh, people are going to need uh, healthy stronger sets of lungs, stronger sets of eyes and ears, uh, just, just people who are, are younger and stronger to, to get out and get to the grocery. I'm not saying we need a mass run of the grocery store. That's not what we need. I'm saying I'm proud of some of the stores that are now closing for a certain amount of time so they can make sure that the shelves are stocked. But um, folks who are over 60, 65 years old, they don't, they don't need to be out. 
And we actually need to, to stay in, but go when necessary. So if you're going out or if you know someone, check in. Do they have a child that, that, that has some problems with their lungs? Do they have a child that, that is diabetic and, and susceptible to illnesses like them wreaking havoc on their system? See, see if you can um, 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 get healthy kids together to, to, to play with them in, in, in smaller groups. See if you can FaceTime other children, all right, and, and include them in, in your day. See if you can write notes to them. See if you can go to the grocery for, for an elderly person. Check in on people who may or may not have three days, five days, two weeks worth of food. Make sure the family's healthy, and then invite them uh, to, to have dinner with you. Or, if that's too much, take, take them some dinner, hand it off, wash your hands, and, and you know, here at church, we, we've got some bags. I think it's perfectly timed. About a month ago, somebody brought in some non-perishable bags for us to be able to give away. I have zero issue if you are running low on food, if your neighbor is running low on food, using the bags that are down in the fellowship hall to help provide food for the next few days, the next few weeks. We will come together as a body, and we will help out with things like childcare, with things like food provision, with, with prayer, with errands, check in. Connect as a community. Make sure you're looking out. We're, we're going to send a few more emails, not to spam you, to connect with you. We're going to use Facebook. We're going to use the telephone. We're going to use the email list to connect with you. All right? Read them. Check in on them. And watch. I'm going to make an effort. To, to read some, some devos, to maybe get out a couple different times on Facebook via live or by video like this, and, and just share some things to encourage, share some things to, 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 to draw us closer, share some things to, to, to help us understand and see Jesus more clearly and celebrate that he ain't scared, that he is never out of control, and that we are the church, and we must know him, we must love him, we must seek him, and we must be his hands and feet to the world in this time. I miss you. I love you. You'll hear from us soon. Let me pray for you. God, I, my hope is that, that, that people can reach next to them and grab the hand of a child, that they can put their arms around their spouse, that they can smile and say, we serve a mighty and an awesome God. I pray for our leadership, both in the healthcare industry um, on a government level, on a national level, I pray that you empower them with discernment. I pray that you give us patience and courage, that you grant us wisdom to do things like respond after we've thought, after we've checked, after we've listened, and, and not react uh, with emotion, with, with, with anger, with bitterness, or with fear. I pray that we would be a comfort to our children in this time, that we would be a support to our community in this time, and that you would be made famous through this time. God, I thank you for NBC. I thank you for our church family. I thank you for Preston and for Cy, for our leadership and Stephen and Spencer, for all the people who have helped speak into me. I pray comfort, I pray, pray peace, and I pray protection over our families. In Jesus' name, amen. We love you, and we'll see you soon. One last thing that we want to make sure that, that we do 
is uh, give you the opportunity um, to, to, to maybe think about singing, doing a little worship there uh, with, with your families, uh, playing a tape, turning on Air One, and that never hurt anything. We also want to give you the opportunity uh, to give. Um, the church is still going to run. Uh, the lights will still need to come on. The heat and air will still need to work. Um, we still need to be able to uh, give uh, as people have a need. And so we want to make sure that you understand that, that online giving is as important as ever right now. It's not about money. It's about our opportunity to continue to worship God through the storm. And so you can go to nbconmain.churchcenteronline.com or you can download the Church Center app and you can give online. And I believe with all my heart that God is going to overcome, that God is going to use, that you are going to give, and I'm not going to mention much more about that because I know that it's going to happen. I've even got text this morning, how can I give online? And that's encouraging to my heart. Got text last night about their support uh, in the decision, and that's encouraging. So uh, check it out. Uh, go to our, our, our website, um, pick up the app, and um, make that your spiritual act of worship uh, this week and give as an individual or as a family online this week and in the future until we can gather back together. Have a great day. We'll see you soon.